This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. What was once billed as the, quote, world's best and easiest to use jukebox software, end quote, is ending. Apple is breaking up iTunes into three separate applications. The company made the announcement at its Worldwide Developers Conference earlier this week. There will now be an app for music, one for TV content, and one for podcasts. May not be a surprising move to some, considering how we digest media these days, but it is somewhat of a landmark moment for Apple, which debuted iTunes back in 2001. With more, we are joined here in studio by Peter Fader, Wharton marketing professor and author of the book, The Customer Centricity Playbook, Implement a Winning Strategy Driven by Customer Lifetime Value. And also joining us on the phone, David Arditi, who is associate professor of sociology and director of the Center for Theory at the University of Texas at Arlington. Pete, great to see you. Good to be here, Dan. David, great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now, I want to start out this interview with a comment that Peter Fader made and just retweeted about an hour ago. Uh, he made this comment 15 years ago. The comment is, quote, iTunes is a cancer for the music industry. And you put finished off the quote or the uh, tweet by saying this was obvious 15 years ago. Good thing it will finally go away. Hashtag I told you so. I am wrong about a lot of things. Um, uh, I was wrong about the iPhone. I thought that wouldn't work out well. And so uh, let me just uh, position it that way. But when I'm right, I'm going to go to town. Um, and I really do believe that that uh, iTunes, and in particular the iTunes Music Store, the a la carte downloading model that Apple started actually in 2003, um, did more damage, destroyed more value for the music industry um, and for entertainment in general and, and changed customer behavior in a bad way, uh, encouraging unauthorized file sharing and so on. Uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable that it ever happened, and it couldn't end soon enough. David? Uh, well, I don't know if it killed value for the industry, as, but it certainly killed the way that we practice listening to music. Um, the, the big thing that I think iTunes did was it killed the CD. I actually think that the, the CD uh, it was great at the time when it was the, the, the shiny new invention. But when the, the idea of, of streaming uh, services came around, it really started with Napster, <clears throat> the original Napster, not the new one, although the new one's fine too, um, and to encourage people to consume as much as they can and pay some monthly fee for it. Um, that was so consumer-friendly. Uh, it was a good business model. And the music industry would not let it take off. Um, and then they basically handed the keys to the car to Steve Jobs, and he just drove it over a cliff. He didn't care. He just wanted to sell shiny objects. Yeah. Um, and and right, I, I really right. do think that it, it changed behavior for the worse. David? I think it absolutely changed behavior. Now, uh, when I talk to my students, for instance, everybody is a streamer. And in streaming, everyone only listens to... Uh, whatever's playing on any given playlist. And oftentimes they don't even know which artist they're, they're listening to. They don't know who their favorite artist is at any given moment because they identify with the song. And iTunes really created a market for the song, not 
an album. Is it is it is it surprising, Peter, that we kind of evolved that way in terms of the music industry? You know, going from records to CDs to some sort of digital element because of the way society was going in general. It was just the fact that, to a degree. And this is a comment we've had about about the internet in general that there wasn't enough regulation, there wasn't enough kind of control in place to be able to have some stopgap measures in place. I think there was there was too much regulation and control in place. I okay. think that the fact that Napster, which really was the greatest thing for the music industry and the music listening community, was was shut down for you know legal technicalities. Um, that was that was just terrible. Again, it was terrible for society. It was it was terrible for listeners' of music. It was terrible for the artists. Uh, I think it was it was so good to get people together talking about music, uh, uh, sharing ideas. The industry just wasn't ready to to move to that kind of uh, kind of open source, more more social platform. Uh, and they had the courts uh, and and basically industry leaders behind them. Uh, which really stemmed progress. So then, David, this move... I, Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Well, I couldn't agree with Peter Moore. Um, I really think that Napster offered this moment, and I, I don't think there's enough people out there talking about how great Napster actually was. Um, and what I think iTunes actually did was we have this history of recorded music going back to the phonograph, and every so often a new medium would come around and the record labels could guarantee that people would repurchase the music they already owned in another format in that new format. Uh, when we had digital music happen, everybody could just take their CDs, rip it onto their computer, and they had instant access to it. iTunes was a way to regenerate uh, what's called the album replacement cycle. So people would once again purchase their music, but purchase it in a new format. And and it's a great point, David. And, and I think the the industry missed the chance to really pivot the business model. And as, as when Dan gave the shout out about my book, the whole idea of customer lifetime value. Let's make money not by selling the same piece of content over and over and over again. Let's make money by creating a recurring revenue stream from the customer, yeah. uh, which would end up being more lucrative. Uh, again, it would give them better diagnostics about uh, which kinds of music is most appealing to the best kinds of customers. Uh, it's just a, a better way to do things. And of course, the success today of Spotify proves that. When you talk about the lost value, Peter, Specifically, what areas really do you think were were the most impacted by the fact that iTunes came along and, and had the the platform that it did? So what what happened is when the iTunes Music Store started, and it was these ninety nine cent a la carte downloads. So Grandma buys you an iPod for Christmas, yeah, um, and and then you decide, hmm, should I download this song or that song? How about this one over here? So for one thing, it's kind of limiting your consumption. Uh, you download, you you pay ninety nine cents to download a few, and then you rip the rest off the Internet and fill your iPod or your iPhone um, with unauthorized music. Steve Jobs knew that was happening. He didn't care. If they found a way to corral it, to kind of uh, have people pay to enter this 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 luscious garden of music, um, again, it would have been better for everyone. So he, Steve Jobs, was not as, 
as, as pristine as a lot of people would say in terms of uh, the running of uh, of Apple over the years? I, I think that's, well, I, that's been uh, proven true in, in lots of different ways. Look, he did what was responsible for his shareholders. Yeah. He's a device-selling guy, not a music industry guy. It was right. the industry that made the mistake by basically putting him in charge. So then, David, what do, the, do these changes that, uh, that Apple is talking about now, splitting this up into three separate entities here, what does this mean for... Uh, the the monetization of all of this different content. Well, I think the first thing you're you're looking at is that iTunes Store it's still going to be around in some format, and iTunes isn't going anywhere. This was really just a marketing strategy to make the Apple WWDC uh, their con- annual conference they have to give it buzz because Apple had an otherwise lackluster release of new products. Right, Their other big announcement on Monday was dark mode, which I'm pretty sure my Samsung phone already has. So they were trying to do something that would make a splash. But on the other side of things not really changing all that much is um, streaming is already the dominant mode. And Apple already recognizes people are not downloading. And Apple has fallen behind Spotify with Apple Music. Uh, so what they really need to do is they need they want to interject themselves back in the discourse of being in the music content area. And so they, they've done this, and what they're doing more than anything is pushing on to the next uh, media so or medium. So just like pushing from vinyl to cassettes to CDs to... Uh, downloads now they're pushing to streaming. Uh, David raises a great point about the positioning of this this message and basically how kind of lame it is. You know, Steve Steve Jobs is up in heaven, looking down and saying, uh, "Tim Cook, really? That's the best you could do? <laughs> you, you can't have any real news for us." And in some sense, it really highlights some of the weaknesses of, of Apple. It, it it highlights the kind of wrong move they made with the a la carte downloading. You know, it also highlights the. Uh, you know, uh, David used the word lackluster, uh, the, the lackluster performance of Apple TV. You know, that was yeah. supposed to be revolutionary, yeah. but <laughs> it's really been eh, so-so. And, you know, other devices out there, I think there's more love for Roku than there is for Apple TV. Well, and, and, and just having the number of different uh, streaming sites that you can go to to do TV these days has just also kind of uh, uh, made Apple TV less less relevant. And, of course, it goes back to the point that streaming subscription is the winning model as opposed to paying per song or episode or movie or whatever bit of content. So then then how... To focus on that streaming subscription aspect, one thing that I found in my research is in International Federation of Phonographic Industry uh, data is people pretty much have spent $45 a year, the average American, on recorded music. And with streaming subscriptions... That's ten dollars a month, which is one hundred and twenty dollars a year. So they've um, increased it threefold over what they used to sell in music to a person. But when you talk about the finances of it, just looking on the TV side again, Peter, for a second, 
people can go to an Apple store and they can spend $160 to buy an Apple TV device, or they can just go online for nothing and get YouTube TV, or they can get uh, Hulu, you know, and you're just paying the, the monthly, the monthly, uh, the monthly charge as well. Yeah. And again, Apple had the opportunity to shape that business model 15 years ago. Uh, and they chose not to. Uh, and, you know, they do, it, despite the fact that they've kind of plateaued a bit, they still have enormous influence. Uh, and if they had embraced the kind of model that would be consumer-friendly and, and business-friendly as well, uh, we'd be having a very different conversation now. David, when you, when you talk about kind of the, the structure uh, of what the iTunes store was and with all of the content used by the consumer these days, was this type of a breakup necessary, not for, uh, from the financial side, but because we consume so much different type of media these days? Yeah, and I, I think that that was really their their mission with this is that uh, they were getting a lot of reports that people thought that iTunes was really clunky, and so they want to find this way to streamline it, uh, which is to break it into different apps, which to me seems kind of counterintuitive. So now instead of having one app, for all these different things, you're going to have three, four, five apps to access different types of media. Peter? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, I, I had the same exact initial reaction, which is this is not streamlining. So they took a bloated piece of software, and, and admittedly, uh, the iTunes just really hadn't aged well. And basically turned it into kind of a bloated business model. Uh, this is just not consumer friendly to have to, to to hunt and peck for all these different apps and to not have all your content together in one place. But when you think of those three, does the consumer how much crossover potentially between those three do you think there will be, or are consumers more geared to you know somebody being a music fan that will use the music side of us, other people being you know, more on the podcast side, and they'll use that. Is there a, will there be a separation amongst consumers? So, well, David's a sociologist, so I'll, I'll defer to him. Okay. But as a consumer, um, I just want all my content in one place. Uh, I want to be able to go, kind of go back and forth seamlessly between, uh, say, a, a, a listening to a podcast or music. Uh, for, for me, it's just content. And, and on, on the content itself, the lines are, are, are blurring so much these days. Uh, so, yeah, I don't want to have to think about, so where is that? Yeah. David? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they must have some kind of research that tells them that people want to have these different apps. Personally, I, I would just want to go to one place. So then from, from the structure side, then, what were the challenges potentially for Apple of, uh, of keeping it as just one site? I think they could have done it. I think, that, yeah. first of all, they had to change the name because it's so much more than Tunes. Yeah. They could have announced, you know, iContent or something <laughs> with a, a nice streamlined interface that would, that, would, that would blend these kinds of things. So people who watch this also listen to that uh, to actually kind of encourage more cross-format um, uh, 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 consumption. And they just kind of just swung and missed at that opportunity. Dave? And the whole thing, I think, is just confusing at this point because they really got rid of iTunes a few years ago when they created Apple Music. So when yeah. they decided to get in the streaming game, they purchased Beats. Uh, Beats had this great streaming app, and then they, they rebranded it Apple Music, and they rebranded iTunes uh, downloads in Apple Music as well. So, I mean, you're really just talking about 
a specific application called iTunes, and they they were concerned, I guess, with exactly what Peter was just talking about. So how much of a negative impact, David, is this uh, for the consumer moving forward? When you think about Apple as a company that that kind of it, it brings itself forward as an entity where you can you can seamlessly kind of move from device to device. Yeah, I don't I think that it's going to have interesting impacts in the future. It's hard to kind of predict what they'll be, but Apple has always been at the forefront of these kind of things. For instance, Apple deciding to get rid of the CD or DVD ROM drive on computers. Once they did that, every other computer company followed suit. And now, uh, if you buy a new laptop, how do you rip those CDs that you bought onto your computer? Or the big problem that I ran into is I'm still a CD guy, and I listen to CDs in my car. So I teach a class, Introduction to Popular Culture, and I told my students, I'll give you extra credit if you all make mixed CDs uh, of the music that you're listening to right now. And I realized, well, that seems antiquated to them, and they'll not really appreciate what I was trying to do. Uh, But they were more concerned. They wanted the extra credit, but they didn't know how to actually make a mixed CD because they didn't have a CD-ROM drive anymore. (laughs) So they'd have to go to the library to actually complete this extra credit assignment. But stepping back and looking what this means for the the landscape of of music and and just uh, digital entertainment in general— Got to believe that that the folks in Stockholm at, at Spotify's headquarters are celebrating because basically, in some sense, this was Apple sort of w- uh, waving the white flag and, and saying we just we are not leaders in this area anymore. Uh, you know, it's an implicit signal, but but I think a strong one for people who are reading the tea leaves here. Uh, and, and Spotify is, is is clearly zooming ahead on, on the music front, and and I think they're just. Um, more beloved by their customers as opposed to, dare I say, a majority of Apple's customers who who will listen to Apple Music more because of, 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 you know, uh, convenience because they're locked into it because of their Apple devices rather than desire to use that service. So then taking the music piece out of this for a second, Peter, uh, can you be more confident with Apple about the TV content or the podcasting as the other two entities here, where potentially they may be able to find some of that growth that maybe they've lost to Spotify on the music side. I think they've, they've lost it on the other two as well. So, again, on, on when it comes to TV, they're not the first one that comes to mind yeah. anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're in the mix uh, for sure. And, and, I, and it's ironic that podcasting, you know, named after the iPod, you yeah. know, they really deserve the credit for it. But there they're, they're kind of, uh, again, at, at best, one of many, many, many players that, that will uh, provide such content and, uh, and, and, and enable the listening of it. David? Yeah, I don't see this as, again, a very big change. The one thing that I do see happening between Spotify and Apple is they are trying to get into the artist game more and more. And so Apple actually has signed a deal with Chance the Rapper. Um, Spotify just made it so they can start producing their own content. And I what I really see happening here is exactly the same kind of processes that have always happened uh, on the, with recorded music. So the record labels themselves started off as phonographs, companies and then the label that actually went on the records was 
the phonographic company's name, and some of those companies were things like RCA. And so then RCA moved away from being in the uh, producing of um, the actual mechanical mechanism into producing content. And then we see that throughout the, the music industry, and now we see those digital companies starting to get into producing content. Peter? I think the difference, you're exactly right, David. I think that the one difference is that, uh, again, I just I sound like a fanboy for Spotify. I guess I am. Um, <laughs> they they kind of have the, 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 the bigger picture in mind. They're, they're more artist-friendly. They're more consumer-friendly. So just a lot of the really arcane rules and royalties associated with this industry, uh, I think, are, are bound to change. Uh, and, and this announcement by Apple... While it has nothing to do with that directly, not nothing at all, I think it is another brick in the wall being removed. Great having you both with us. Thank you, Peter, for coming in. <laughs> Good well, talking to you, Dan David, and David. David, great to have you with us on the phone. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Peter Fader from here at the Wharton School. David Arditi at the University of Texas at Arlington. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 